3: Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
1: It's brand new season two.
4: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Mark Moss Show where we talk about, of course, the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. I tell you all the time. I was listening to a podcast uh, this morning. Um, One of my good friends, uh, Peter McCormick, it's called What Bitcoin Did. He had another friend, uh, Luke Groman on. I've been on Peter's show, What Bitcoin Did, a couple of times, um, three times. As a matter of fact, Uh, we did like a trilogy. I'd recommend going back and listening to the very first episode I did with him. It's called The Battle for the Fate of Humanity, where I've kind of framed this out. But they were having a talk about this, um, the hundred year sovereign debt crisis, which I talk about a, a lot as well. And you have, the thing I was thinking as I was listening to this was (laughs) one, just how much my thesis of the three revolutionary cycles converging are really coming into play and how all these events that we're seeing continue to pour into that and continue to prove that thesis is coming true. Now, none of us can tell the future, obviously. Uh, We make assumptions based off of signs that we're seeing and where we're going, You know, I've talked about before, a way that uh, the FBI does like threat assessment is they look at potential threats that could happen. And then they would outline, okay, what steps would have to happen for those threats to come true. And then they monitor the situation. And if they go, Oh, these steps are happening, then they would say, Okay, this threat assessment seems to be where we're going. And so, you know, when we look at our own lives and we're trying to manage them for ourselves to manage our our wealth and our freedom and all those things, we want to look at what these, uh, you know, where the world is going and these different potential outcomes that that could be there. And then we want to look at the signs that start happening to help us understand which one of these cases is going to be the case. like, where are we going? And like I said, I was listening to this podcast this morning and I was thinking about it and just thinking through Man, this thesis is playing out in real time. And so, you know, I try to bring to you uh, some, some sort of education to kind of help you understand these issues a little bit better so you can start to make sense of what the heck is going on right now. More importantly, you know, we care about what's going on so we can try to figure out where we're going. So, of course, we can learn how to navigate that properly. Like I said, how we can uh, navigate it with our wealth so we don't end up broke and losing everything. We don't end up like uh, the World Economic Forum wants us to be where we own nothing and and we're happy. Um, If I own nothing, I'd probably be unhappy. And so I don't want you to end up that way. And I want to protect my wealth. I want to grow my wealth. I want to protect my freedom. That's a big thing for me. And so, you know, we look at this each and every week. And we look at the the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing. And and we look at it through these three lenses, like I said, of politics, finance, and technology. And and really we're looking on on like a Venn diagram would be where those three topics overlap. And of course, like I said, we're seeing these signs. They just keep coming, coming, coming. And um, you know, one of those we I thought one thing I've talked about a lot is is money. Well, I've talked about the three attack vectors that were laid out to us by Henry Kissinger and control the food, control the people, control the energy, control the continent, control the money, control the world. And man, some really big things fell into place this week in regards to the money that show us where we are going. And it is big news. It is a matter of fact, it's uh, big news. It's very big news because it's very scary news. As a matter of fact, it might be one of the uh, one of the most scary things. If 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 this, I say if it's it's happening, um, it's happening. If this happens, I mean, it could be over, it could be over. And I hate to be so dramatic. Um, I remain very hopeful for the future because I believe that we have the tools to defeat this. I, I understand their plans will not work, so ultimately it fails. Uh, but yet at the same time, it's, it's still scary. So what am I talking about? We're talking about the big news that happened this week and potentially the final piece, one of the key pieces that was needed to install a central bank digital currency has come out. And for those of you that are just just catching up, central bank digital currencies are the final piece needed for the global authoritarians to have total and ultimate control over our lives. The reason why, as I say all the time, without the freedom to transact, there's no freedom. If I can't buy what I want to buy, if I can't buy the food that I want to buy, if I can't travel to the place that I want to go, if I can't exchange value with others without some authoritarian gatekeeper telling me what I can and can't do, there is no freedom, period. There's no freedom of speech. There's no freedom of association or freedom of um, assembly. None of that. It all goes away without that. And of course, that's why the authoritarians want to always control the money. Now, going back to, I would say, at least five or 600 years um, BC before Christ, they're changing history. It's not BCE, it's BC. I'm old enough to uh, have grown up my entire life like that. Now all of a sudden I see this BCE. I'm like, what the heck is this crap? Anyway, about five to 600 years BC, coins were invented. It's always technology, money, finance. Technology. Technology changes the way that we communicate, we organize. So money became coined. There's been lots of things that were money, uh, barter, obviously, shells, feathers, rocks, things like that. Gold, of course, gold and silver. But when government started to coin it. It allowed uh, for easy recognition so we could say, okay, that's that's a gold coin, that's a silver coin from Rome. We know how much that silver coin is. But what it allowed the government, the state to do was to control the amount of money. Did they coin more? silver or gold? Or did they coin less, so they could expand the monetary supply, they could they could decrease the monetary supply. And so they've been doing this for at least, you know, five, 600 years, uh, BC. Uh, we know there's a kind of a famous quote I've used many times mayor Rothschild, you might recognize the Rothschild name potentially, uh, what some conspiracy theorists or maybe conspiracy conspiracy realists think the Rothschilds are kind of the ones behind the scenes pulling the strings. Personally, I have a hard time believing that a family could continue to pull strings for hundreds of years, either case, Mayor Rothschild in the 1800s said, give me control over a nation's money and I care not who makes its laws. And I think it's important just to hit on that for a second because that's sort of where we're at. We, you and I, we, the people, the listeners were caught up in all these types of situations on a surface level on the runway, a culture war, woke, anti-woke um, trans in schools, transitioning our kids, Budweiser, like all these different things. And then we're caught between this Republicans and Democrats. And we're caught between, you know, tax the rich or don't tax the rich or tax cut. I mean, all these issues. And Then we're even caught up on higher level, you know, President Trump or President Biden. Or then even on another level, which is then like, well, what about China and what about Russia and Ukraine war and all these issues. But even if we get up to that level, where we're concerned with this geopolitical picture of what's happening with Russia and Ukraine and, like I said, China and Taiwan. The game is still being played at a level much higher than that. As, As Rothschild said, give me control over the money and I care not who makes the laws. So ultimately, the bankers want to control money. And as long as they control money, they don't really care what's happening downstream. And so while we're distracted over Budweiser or uh, tr- Trump or whatever it may be, or, or Putin in China or Taiwan, the game is being played at a much higher level. And I might say all roads lead back to what their ultimate goal is. Their ultimate goal is to maintain power over money, or they use money to maintain their power. And they need to do this now using technology, which would be putting in these technologies that would allow them to manage the masses. It brings their return on violence very low, meaning that they're able to maintain absolute power and control very cheap, very easy. And they do that with technology. In the Roman Empire, as the Roman Empire expanded, it became too expensive because they had to, uh, you know, they didn't have technology back then. But now it's very cheap. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. Of course, we talk about the decentralized revolution each and every week, but this week we have something big and this is the final piece that they need, the banksters need to control has just been dropped. Now, of course, as they manipulate money, it continues to buy less and less good services. And so you want to make sure that you're able to keep up your standard of living and keep up with um, the cost of goods and services going up. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show, I got to take a quick break. I'm going to come back and tell you more about this final piece that just dropped that you need to know about with CBDCs. I'll be back in a minute. Don't go away.
0: My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day.
2: We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe.
0: Mexico will likely have its first female president.
2: And then you have China.
4: All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we're talking about each and every week the decentralized revolution, but I'm talking about a piece of technology that is the final nail in the coffin, and that is the central bank digital currencies because it connects all the other technologies that these uh, globalist bankers need for total control, and that would include um, movement passports such as, uh, you know, COVID passports. Um, But ultimately, it really comes down to the money. So if they could build this like everything app, sort of like China has, uh, a social credit score system, where basically your entire life is in this app. And if you're a good citizen, you get more credits. And if you're a bad citizen, you get less credits. And in China, they've been doing this for, for many, many years. And if you say anything bad or negative against government, you your social credit score goes down. And if your credit score goes down, your social credit score goes down, you can't buy things like plane tickets or bus tickets or things like that can't send your kids to college or whatever it may be. So what are they ultimately doing? Well, they're using an app to restrict you. But how do they restrict you with the payments? They don't allow you to buy a plane ticket, buy a bus ticket, buy food. So it all comes down to the money, which is why that's the final piece that they need. And that's what they're doing with the central bank digital currency. Now to understand how this works, you have to kind of understand how money works, and how the banking system works. All right. So in in every country, regardless of where you're from, in the United States, we have a central bank. It's called the Federal Reserve. In Europe, in, in England, they have a central bank. It's called the Bank of England. In Europe, they have a central bank. It's called the European Central Bank. In Japan, they have one called the Bank of Japan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In China, they have one called the People's Bank of China. All right, so each nation has their own central bank. So in the United States, we have a central bank, the Federal Reserve. Underneath the Federal Reserve is the commercial banks, and the big ones are J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, right? And other countries, they have HSBC or Deutsche Bank or whatever they have. So we have these individual banks down below us as well as we have local banks, credit unions, things like that. Now, that's a decentralized banking stack. And the reason why that's important to understand and it's important to have is because the money decisions are being made on a local level, meaning I can go to my local branch maybe a local farmers and merchant branch or a credit union. They know me personally, and they can give me a loan based off of what it is I want to do in my local area that they would have local knowledge about. Money is created through loans. So they have the authority to give me a loan with this local knowledge and this and this relationship that we have. All right. However, if you take that model, so we have the, each nation as a central bank at the top and these commercial banks at the bottom, and it's this decentralized stack. But each nation has that. So again, right, Bank of England has that, and then they have banks underneath that, ECB, and there's banks underneath that. All right, well, one step above that, the step above the Fed and the ECB and the BOE sits the IMF, International Monetary Fund that was created in 1944, Under the Bretton Woods Agreement, when the whole world agreed to this monetary system that we have today about 100 years ago, that's failing right now, part of my thesis of the three revolutionary cycles we're in. And one level above that, above the IMF, is something that most people have never heard of, and it's the BIS. It's the Bank of International Settlements, and it is a very, uh, well, we'll just call it shady. It's a very opaque um, bank where the origins aren't 100% clear. We don't know who's behind it. But it's the bankers, and they create the BIS, and they sit at the top of this entire stack. They sit above the IMF. They sit above governments. They sit above all these central banks. What did Rothschild say? Give me control over the money, and I care not who controls the laws. So. While we're fighting, while nations are fighting, Russia, China, Ukraine, Taiwan, et cetera, while the nations are fighting, while the people inside the nations are fighting, they're meanwhile controlling the money, getting us all to the point which they want, which is all of us into a central bank digital currency where they have total control. So that's the stack. That's how that works. Now, you might see one nation saying, uh, you know, we're you know, like, you know, in the US, we're woke and we're, you know, we have this trans agenda and we want this equality and equity. And then you have Putin over there in China, or I'm sorry, in Russia saying, uh, the West is killing themselves with this woke agenda. We don't want that over in Russia. And you're like, oh, these, you know, Russia is fighting the United States. Well, both countries are moving towards a central bank digital currency which is the ultimate goal of the BIS that's above both of them. You see, So while we're being distracted, thinking that we're winning or losing or we're fighting each other, we're all going to the same location that they want us to go to. We're all walking into a digital panopticon, a digital prison. The G20, the top 20 countries of the nation met last year and all agreed, all G20, the top 20 nations agreed to put in a a medical passport system. So you can get your vaccination and if you don't, uh, then it's in the passport and your movement is limited. So while the top 20 countries are fighting and France is now buddy, buddy with China and they're, they're moving, they're turning their back on the United States and now Saudi Arabia is breaking apart. Well, it looks like that at our level, but at the top level, we're all going into the same digital prison. And we're all moving into the central bank digital currencies. Now, the BIS, as I said, sits at the very top of this. And the head of the BIS is a guy named Augustin Carstens. And he is uh, figuratively and literally the big boss. If you play a video game, he's the big boss. And I want to play a clip of, uh, of him. He has a little bit of an accent. You might not um, hear it perfectly. A little bit of an accent, uh, but I want you to hear directly from him what their plans are for a CBDC. Again, this is directly not from Jerome Powell, the Fed, or whoever your head of your Fed is, or your central bank is, not from the IF, I mean, directly from the BIS. So let's go ahead and hear this clip right here so you can see what he has to say.
0: our analysis on CBDC,
2: in particular, for the use of general, to the general use, uh, we tend to establish the equivalence with cash. Uh, and there is a huge difference there. Uh, For example, in cash, uh, we don't know, for example, who's using a $100 bill today. We don't know who is using a 1,000 peso bill today. Uh, A a key difference with the CBDC is that central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that uh, expression of central bank liability. And also, we will have the technology to enforce that. Those are those two issues are extremely important, and that m- makes a huge difference with respect to what uh, to what cash is.
4: So there you had it, directly from him. Most people think CBDCs are just like cash, like a cash equivalent. I mean, most of our money is digital anyway, right? We do bank transfers, wire transfers, ACH, d- debit cards, credit cards. It's all digital anyway, right? So it's sort of like cash. He said, no, 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 no. It's nothing like cash. We will have total control. Let me just repeat that. We will have total control. He says, you know, with cash, we don't know who's spending that $100 bill. That's a problem. With CBDCs, we're going to know everybody and everything so we can have total control. That's their plan. They're not shy about it. They're not lying about it. They're telling you directly what is coming from this. And so um, they have been working on putting this um, CBDC system together that could bring the entire world together in this. And it just dropped. I'm going to tell you about that, and uh, there was one piece missing. They actually announced, that the BIS announced this last month, there was one piece missing, and the piece that was missing got dropped this week. So I'm going to tell you more about that in a minute. You're listening to the Mark Moss Show, if you're just tuning in, talking about the decentralized revolution and talking about how the central banksters have been trying to put their control in with the CBDCs, and it's finally here. I'll be back with more in a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back.
6: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the final piece that was just installed by the BIS to give them total control over everything. Now, the BIS announced something last month called Project Icebreaker. You can go look it up, you can go right to the BIS website and look up Icebreaker, they have a video, you can probably find it on YouTube as well. And in this video, they explain what Icebreaker is and they basically show a a video of how you have all these different central banks with people underneath them, sort of like I explained to you. But the problem is, they say, the problem is is that we're in this connected world now. And so now we want to send money around the world. We wanna send money to different people in different countries. But it's, very, it's, but, but it's a problem, they say. It's a problem because it's very slow and it's very expensive because you have all these different intermediary banks and they don't all talk to each other. They're not all on the same technology. They're not all in the same time zone. They have different working hours, all these different things that make it very difficult to send money from one jurisdiction, one country to another because of this, this uh, archaic banking system. They, that that's a, good, um, that's a good understanding of the problem. That's true. So they have a solution, of course, and the solution is they're going to create this project icebreaker, which will basically be a hub that all the central banks around the world can plug into this hub and it will provide settlement of everybody. So one country could send in their money in their currency, and another central bank could send in their money in their currency. And in this hub, they could swap it out. So they go and they kind of explain this. They say that they, they can solve this problem. They can uh, take away risk. It can keep us safer. Whenever they're telling you they can keep you safer, always put your uh, you know tinfoil tin hat on and go, whoa, 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 they're telling me I'm safer. What am I trading for that safety? <laughs> As Benjamin Franklin said, those who are willing to give up freedom for safety deserve neither. And so always think about that. So um, they're going to they're do this. But but in this announcement last month, there was a problem. And the problem was, is they didn't know how they would provide that settlement. They needed an asset that could sit in the middle that could become that um, reserve, that neutral reserve asset. Now, if you listen to this show regularly, you already know that the private market has already solved this. You might also know that the private market solves everything. Now, some of you might have come up through government indoctrination schools and not understand that, but the private market solves everything. The private market comes up with everything. Now, it is true. I can already hear you guys in my ear. But what about the internet DARPA and DARPA created that? Well, it is true that, you know, sometimes there are things that come out of like the military, um, that then the private sector can take and build off of. So it it, it is true. There are a couple of instances where the government has created something that uh, came up with like a new building block that the private market has then gone and built off of there. I, I will concede to that. But even, in, uh, even in, in the instance of, uh, of like uh, space travel, for example, yeah, the government went on this uh, program to get somebody on the moon. They did. But the private market outcompetes them every day. The, the, the NASA can't even fly their own um, rockets anymore right now. It's going over to Elon Musk company. So um, the private market does that. Now, what about the roads? What about the government? Who will build the roads without the government? I always hear that one. Well, you might realize that it's actually not the government who builds the roads. What do I mean by that? Well, my tax dollars pay for the roads and the government hires private contractors to go build the roads. So it's still private companies. I don't want to go dive too much into that, but the the private market has already fixed this problem. Of course, we have Bitcoin. I can already send Bitcoin anywhere in the world almost instantly and free right now today i've been been able to do it for years uh over the last couple years since the lightning network has really scaled and it's being done all the day every every day i mean tens and tens of millions of dollars are going to these cross border settlements in el salvador in africa in in uh, afghanistan where you can't send money to somebody in afghanistan because the taliban will take it but i can send them bitcoin near instant and free anyway not going into Bitcoin rabbit hole. We're talking about what the CBDCs are doing and what the BIS is doing. So the BIS announced this, but they need this um, settlement layer. And so, boom, we found out what that was this week. And what am I talking about? Well, the IMF, remember, the IMF is the layer between the central banks and the BIS. The IMF announced something called Unicoin. Unicoin. Now, sort of sounds like a bite of... Bitcoin. <laughs> sort of sounds like they took Bitcoin and tried to make it their own and came up with Unicoin. Because I guess somehow it unites us, potentially. I don't know. So they, they released this new global currency. It's a universal monetary unit, supposedly. And it is going to be this reserve asset that can sit inside of this... Um, project icebreaker and can be this reserve asset, or I should say the settlement asset that could exchange or trade these things. Now, this was a part of um, the digital currency monetary authority, the DCMA. They're the ones that launched this. Now, I had never really heard about the DCMA. And you might not have either. The DCMA just happens to be a group, um, sort of like a secret cabal Uh, A secret cabal of sovereign governments, financial institutions, banking institutions. It says here, uh, a world leader in advocacy of digital currency and monetary policy for governments and central banks. Membership within the DCMA consists of sovereign states, central banks, commercial and retail banks, and other financial institutions. Hmm. So, uh, like I said, sort of like a, cabal, sort of like a conspiracy sort of like, I mean, do you even know what the definition of a conspiracy is? Two or more people getting together and discussing in private plans. So they've been meeting, uh, they've been setting plans. They've been conspiring. They're conspiracy. Is it a theory? Well, it's not theory anymore. It's fact it's written here on the web page you can look this up. And they've come out with this, like I said, this universal monetary unit, UMU, also known as Unicoin. It's an innovation in a store of value cryptography powered by artificial intelligence. Everyone's throwing around that buzzword these days. It adopts central banking monetary policy framework to ensure it has continuous purchasing demand, minimal price volatility, and annual asset price targets. Now, let me break that down for you. To ensure it has continuous purchasing demand. So how do they do that? A minimal price volatility, how do they do that? Annual asset pricing targets, how do they do that? Oh, manipulation, of course, of course. How can they make sure it has constant demand? Well, there's always a buyer. They will trade both sides of it. They will continue to manipulate markets rather than allowing markets to be free. Minimal price volatility, how? How can they have minimal price volatility, especially in a brand new asset? Brand new assets have volatility. Oh, they'll manipulate it. It it meets annual asset pricing targets? How can they do that? Again, they manipulate it. In a free market, nobody can guarantee that. A free market decides what they want to use. Pricing is always the equilibrium of supply and demand. The only way they can achieve those goals is pure and total manipulation of the market of the free market. They said, uh, and and in this universal monetary unit, they want to be able to enforce the rules of the monetary system. Now, that's a key word, enforce. What are the rules? Well, the rules are whatever they want the rules to be. Now, we saw the mayor of New York came out uh, just yesterday and said that he wants to restrict meat and milk in New York. So, well, you can't buy meat or milk. So they want to enforce those properties. See how that works? They want, to, uh, they want to, now Biden has this new agenda for EV vehicles so they could enforce that. You can't buy gas anymore. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the final piece that was dropped this week to get this global CBDCs in place. Well, we're all bothered, uh, preoccupied squabbling on the low end. They're doing this above us. I got more to talk about when I come back. I'm gonna take a quick break. I'll be right back. Don't go away.
6: Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Welcome back. If you're just tuned in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currencies, the final piece that the global banksters need to have total control over the world. Now, you missed some of this. Maybe that sounds a little bit hyperbolic. So I'd recommend that you go back and listen to it. So go back. I got you. I got you back. You can check it out on the podcast. Just search the Mark Moss show or go to YouTube and search market disruptors. And you can find all my episodes there. You can watch me and you can listen to me at the same time. And hit me up on social media at one Mark Moss on Instagram, Twitter, whatever at one Mark Moss. And ask me some questions. Let me know you heard me give me a shout out, whatever. I'd love to connect with you on there. I'm pretty active on there. So if you want to connect with me, hit me up there. Now, back to this. Like I said, I know it sounds hyperbolic, but this is happening. This isn't a one day maybe could be this isn't some dystopian novel that was written 50 years ago. No, no, this is happening right now. Now this has been in the works for a long time. And here it is. And again, It's for total control. What else would it be for? I played you a clip from the head of the BIS, and you heard directly from him. You heard what he said. This is not a cash equivalent. With cash, we don't know who's spending a $100 bill. But with this, we'll know who's spending a $100 bill and, in his own words, we'll have total control. Now, I know, I know, I hear you. It's only for your safety, right? It's only for your safety. Now, if that's not enough, let's hear from the head of the European Central Bank, Christine Lagarde. Now, Christine Lagarde used to be with the IMF. Okay? The IMF. Now, she's a convicted criminal when she was at the IMF. She got convicted of crimes, and now she's working at the European Central Bank, the ECB. Let's hear what she has to say about CBDCs.
0: Digital euro is going to have a limited amount of control there will be control you're right you're completely right mm-hmm. we are considering whether for very small amounts you know anything that is around 300 400 euros we could have a mechanism where there is zero control but that could be dangerous the terrorist attacks on france uh, back uh, 10 years ago were entirely financed by those very small anonymous credit cards that you can recharge in total anonymity Wow.
4: For your safety. See what I'm saying? For your safety. So she said, you know, for the digital euro, the CBDC, um, you know, it's going to have total control. She said, you know, we, we, we might, we might be able to have less control for, you know, smaller denominated assets, you know, like a hundred bucks, 200 bucks. But she said, even that's a problem because again, for your safety, Because somebody potentially could do something really, really bad like terrorist attacks. Your life could be in jeopardy if we allow people to spend $100 and don't know who they are and don't have total control. So you heard directly from the head of the BIS. You heard directly from the former head of the IMF and now the head of the ECB, Christine Lagarde. Don't take my word for it. I go directly to the source, you might be looking at news articles on Yahoo or watching whatever people on YouTube like me, I'm on YouTube to search market disruptors or Mark boss on YouTube. But I'm letting you hear directly from their mouth, I go to the source, they're telling you it's a system of control, we can't even allow $100. Because you're at risk. Now, uh, there's a report that came out. I've talked about it before on the show. It's called the FENCEN files, FENCEN, F-I-N-C-E-N. FENCEN FinCEN stands for financial, uh, and, in- financial crimes enforcement union or whatever it stands for. It's one of the long arms of the government that uh, controls the money supply. And they do this, of course, to, to keep you safe. And in these fence and files or in, in fence requirements, they put uh, onerous uh, requirements onto the bank, such as KYC, know your customer, um, such as AML anti money laundering requirements, such as uh, banks have quotas on how many suspicious activity reports they have to file SARS reports. And so they have all these these onerous things they do to protect us right to keep the, the the financial system under tight wraps. And so none of these criminals could do anything um, illegal. Well, in these reports called the FinCEN files, you can go look it up yourself. They they did a bunch of research into all these big banks. And they said that over $2 trillion, $2 trillion was laundered through the banks for known criminal organizations and cartels. $2 trillion. Now, the banks JP Morgan, HSBC, they get caught all the time. That's how they found this out. This isn't like a secret. Like, you can just do a quick Google search, and you'll see that these banks pay massive fines, billion dollars of fines all the time, routinely. And they do that for getting caught, laundering money for illicit activities. Now, why do they continue to do that? Well, because they make hundreds of billions of dollars and pay a couple of billions of dollars in fines. So, I mean, if I only have to pay 5% or 10% of the ill gotten gain I got, and I don't go to jail, like, why wouldn't I just keep doing it? The sooner you realize that they're not doing this for your benefit, it's going to be the better. And I I apologize if this is a harsh reality for you. It's what's known as cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance means that Um, I don't want to hear what you're saying, Mark. I don't want to hear. I don't, I don't want to believe that's true because if I believe that to be true, then everything that I've known is wrong. Everything I've known is false. But they're not out to protect you. These, these FinCEN uh, regulations, these KYC, AML, are not there to protect you. It's, allow, it's, a, it's to allow the banks to continue to do what they're going to do. People a lot, often talk about, like, you know, I talk about ways to reduce your taxes legally, and they say, oh, they're going to close those tax loopholes. They're going to get rid of those. Like, no, they're not. The richest people in the world use those. They're there intentionally. They're there by the people that create the laws that use those. It's how Elizabeth Warren, um, one of our great legislators here in the United States, who goes on a war path talking about financial equality and going against these greedy capitalists to protect the little guys and banking reforms, and yet on a public servant salary of a few hundred thousand a year, she's now worth north of $60 million. I would like to know how you could become worth $60 million on a $200,000 a year salary. I'd love to know that. They did it through loopholes that are there for themselves to get rich. They will not be taking them away. So the sooner you learn how to use them, the better. But in regards to this, the banking system is the one that's used to to launder $2 trillion, not your $100. What about the billions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars that were just left on pallets for for the Taliban to take? How about that? How about the was it $400 million of cash on pallets that the Obama administration flew into Iran in the dark of night? Cash! How about that? But never mind, your $100 could be a problem because it's about total control. So what I'm hoping that you're understanding here is that regardless of what you see, if you're left or right or Republican or Democrat or blue or red or you're pro-woke or an anti-woke, doesn't matter if you're pro-Ukraine or anti-Ukraine, doesn't matter. None of that matters. The game is being played at a much higher level. And it's all to get us into the same position, which is all of our lives into a digital control system, a system of checks and gateways that control our movement and control our money. That's where we're going. And they do it through a bunch of different means. I use this uh, analogy the other day. I was just out on my ranch in Texas and we had some baby goats. And every night we were moving the mama goat and the baby goat from the pen into the stables. And we did it using um, a carrot, and a stick. So literally a carrot. I had a carrot in my hand trying to entice the mama goat to follow me. So I'm t- t- and teasing her with a carrot. And when she didn't want to come, we would scare the goat. And I would clap real loudly. And it would push her away. And using this carrot and the stick or this, this greed and fear, I would moved her into the pen. That's where we're going. Now, um, they say that it's uh, pro Trump or pro Putin or pro G, whatever. But it's always about getting us into this digital panopticon. Anyway, I know it's scary. We still have a chance. It's not there yet. Get your money out of the banks. Don't use it. The free markets already answered this. We have Bitcoin. We don't need it. We can use Bitcoin. If you just tune in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show talking about the decentralized revolution each and every week. That's what I got for you today. Thanks so much for listening.